Hello, my name is Sabrina Van Tessel. I am a um, film director and a reporter, and I've directed The State of Texas versus Melissa. My name is Melissa Elizabeth Lucio. I'm 48 years old. I have 14 children. I've been on death row 11 years. There were bruises from head to toe. There were bruises on the face, in the hair, on the chest. This was the worst case of child abuse I had ever seen. Oh my gosh. She fell all the way down. From the first step up there, all the way down here. Imagine the baby falls. The baby? And did you see her fall, or did somebody tell you that that's what had happened to her? The interview was never presented to the court. And none of those kids ever said that their mom was beating up on Mariah. It was during election time. Armando Villalobos was running again for DA. I'm the first Hispanic woman on death row. So this was a huge case for him. Bribery was endemic. He'd be compensated for favorable treatment in criminal cases. That was a plan to put her away. My mother, poor, perfect target to help him win his election. She's no criminal, they're the criminals. They're the criminals. That is a trailer from the documentary The State of Texas versus Melissa, and this is Factual America. We're brought to you by Alamo Pictures, an Austin and London-based production company making documentaries about America for international audiences. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood. Today we're talking about the American justice system again. This time is captured in the state of Texas versus Melissa, about the case of Melissa Lucio, the only Hispanic woman to ever be sentenced to death in the state of Texas. The doc had its festival release last year, winning rave reviews and audience choice awards. Joining us is French-American journalist and documentarian, Sabrina Van Tessel, who directed, wrote, and executive produced the film. We're also joined by my podcast partner in crime, Patrick Scott Armstrong, host of the Lone Star Plate, Factual America's sister podcast. Patrick interviews famous Texans and explores compelling Texas stories, and I recommend you give Lone Star Plate a listen. It's one of the more entertaining podcasts out there. Given my own Texas roots and the overlap between documentary filmmaking and a truly compelling story about Texas, we decided to team up. I hope you enjoy this special edition of Factual America. Sabrina, welcome to Factual America. Thank you for having me. Yes, and Patrick, while you're sipping your coffee, do you want to... Welcome. 
Thank you, Sabrina. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. <laughs> this is awesome. Thank you, Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> so the film is uh, this. That uh, at least the Factual America listeners have already heard. The trailer is the uh, State of Texas versus Melissa. It uh, released in 2020, at least in festivals. Um, is it on Amazon? Am I right? Is it on Amazon Prime and Hulu? Yeah, it was released on Hulu uh, in April. Okay. April and what about? And what about internationally, or uh, do people just... Uh, it's to- going to be released in the cinemas in France on September 15th. Okay. Uh, cool. It's going to Cannes before, and it's going to the Deville Film Festival before. Wow. And I'm hoping that it's going to uh, be sold everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Well, well congratulations. I saw, it on, I saw it on Amazon. That's yeah. where I watched it. Yeah, it was great. On my big TV, I was like, okay, I don't want to watch it on a laptop. You know what I mean? I was like, no, no, no. This is this as big a screen as I could get to with it. Okay, that's what I did. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's made for cinema, so I'm I'm happy about that. So welcome again. The State of Texas uh, versus Melissa is the film, as our listeners have uh, heard or watched on YouTube. On Amazon Prime, dropped on Hulu in April, and set for international release, and I believe a French uh, theatrical release in the in the coming months. So thanks so much, uh, Sabrina, for uh, coming on to the podcast. So The State yeah. of Texas versus Melissa is a film about, um, about a woman on death row. Her name is Melissa Lucio. Uh, She's been there for um, 13 years now. Uh, And um, it's it's not only about her case, but it's also the portrait about a woman uh, who um, the judicial system did not treat right. Um, There's many reasons why I wanted to do um, this film. Uh, I think a lot of wrongful convictions, uh, if you know Melissa Lucio is one of them, um, have very flawed characters involved, mm. and uh, Melissa is is one of them. She's a very um, imperfect, so to speak, uh, character. She's someone who uh, did not have uh, an easy life by all means. Um, she was abused as a child. She lived a life of poverty. She had two children. She had a history of drug abuse. Uh, she had a history of going with the wrong men in her life, being involved with the wrong men. And um, once she got, um, once her daughter, um, you know, was found dead, she was all of a sudden, you know, the perfect target. And I think that there are a lot of people like her in prisons, uh, unfortunately because she checks all the boxes for the ideal culprit. Yeah. So that's the reason why I mm-hmm. wanted to do a film about her. And, and again, I mean, I, I do believe uh, with all my heart that she is innocent and that she should not be where she's at. But even if she was guilty, I would still have done, I would still have, you know, made the film. Uh, I, I think it's, it's um, most and foremost a portrait uh, of a woman, you know, against the entire system. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I think if, yeah. if, if I understand correctly, I mean, how did you get involved? How, cause this was, this is not, I mean, 
going way back to whatever 2007 this i mean i guess it was a big case at the time locally in south texas but um, you know it wasn't such a big case yeah. I, it was it was i don't remember texas. it i don't people remember, remember it and most people no? in texas don't uh it wasn't a big case it was mm. again just another case of child abuse and if you look at cases of child abuse throughout the united states usually you don't end up on death row for child abuse okay so um, the reason that it was, it was a big case for the DA at the time, who was in the middle of, you know, getting reelected and who needed a case to be reelected and he used her case. So it was a big case for him. But if you ask most people and even people down in Brownsville, they've never heard of this case. It was very fast. Uh, it was like yeah. a four day trial, you know, um, she was, uh, you know, guilty uh, from the moment she was arrested. Exactly right. They put the headline in, you read it, you're done. You move on, that person's guilty. Yeah. She was yeah, done. Sure. She was arrested at 7 p.m. Her daughter was found dead at 7 p.m. By 3 a.m., uh, she was indicted, basically. And yeah. end of story, no investigation. Then, you know, the entire story goes on. Then she gets, you know, a court-appointed attorney. She's up for 30 years. Uh, she says no. Uh, he says, no problem, you know, we're going to win this case. Yeah. And, you know, they go to trial and then, you know, no witnesses, no nothing. And then now she's on death row. So it wasn't a big story at the time. The, the way how I got to know about her case is a different story. Uh, I was working on a previous documentary for French TV about women on death row. And I was trying to look for women to interview. And um, I found Melissa Lucio, uh, and at the time she had never been interviewed by anybody. I mean, no hmm. journalist whatsoever had never, you know, written anything about her. And if you, you know, at the time typed her name on Google, there may be two local newspapers who said something hmm. about her case, but not more than that. And so when I, I, I went down to Brownsville, Texas to meet, um, her family and they were estranged at the time, you know, um, mm -hmm which unfortunately is, is, is often the case for death row offenders. Uh, you know, the family just gives up, they give up on them because there's no hope. Uh, so I went down there and uh, I remember entering a house full of her family relatives who said to me, you're the first person who have come to uh, knock on our door in 13 years. Mm. And, and is it true you almost canceled oh. the meeting? I yes, I almost did. I almost did because there was just wow. nothing about her. Yeah. You know, it was open and shut case sort of thing. That, but it was dull. It was a dull case. It was like sure. you know, a case of child abuse, and there's nothing to say, right? There's no, uh, no American media has ever, you know, paid any attention to the case. And usually, when there's someone on death row, you have all you can find all mm. these you know, crazy shows about it, you know, and, and there was just nothing about her. And so when they said that to me, I said to them, I'm like, well, surely her lawyers must have gone and, and, and talked to you, correct? And they said, no, her lawyers have never contacted us. We were never allowed to speak to her lawyer. We're never allowed to speak to anybody and never, and nobody ever paid attention about us and about her. 
And then they started telling me all these stories that, you know, the little girl had, you know, it was actually, it was in fact an accident. The little girl had fallen down the stairs. Uh, the DA was in prison. The attorney, you know, uh, had gone to work for the DA. I mean, all these crazy stories. And I was just mm. like, right. You know, as you know, everybody's, you know, innocent in prison. So I was just, especially yeah. for family members. So I was just like, okay, great. So, but I was, you know, it was just very, very bizarre. The entire thing was very peculiar. And then the next day I went and I met Melissa. And mm. that was just a shock. I think it was a shock for both of us. And it was really a shock for me. I, I, mm. I, I just, I, I felt it, you know, I felt it. I felt that, you know, there was just something really wrong with her case mm -hmm. and and some and, and I just just could not believe that you know she had done what she was accused of it was just really hard for me and I uh, imagined this at the time I could not I mean there was she was such a nobody that there was no way for me to find out who her lawyer was you know mm -hmm. I could not even find that you know on the internet so I said to her could you please tell me the name of your attorney and she repeat, you know, she she kept saying it to me. She spelled it for me, and then you know, I called her, and I said, "Listen, I just spoke to your client, and uh, I have a really bad feeling about this. There's something really wrong." And she said, "Oh yes, I know she's been innocent for 12 years, but you know, she's done. There's nothing I can do about her, and she's going to be executed. And unfortunately, you're coming in this story way too late." And that's mm -hmm. how it started, really, because I was just. Okay. Um, she said, did you want to read, read some of her files? And I'm like, yes, just send me everything. Yeah. And I spent the next couple of months just reading everything. I read everything about Melissa Lucia's mm. case. So I, you know, uh, people can say whatever they want. The thing is, there is nothing in this case. There is nothing. Apart from uh, a woman who gave up while she was being interviewed by five, you know, male police officers with guns and who were threatening her and telling her she was never going to see her children again. And that, you know, they, they already knew what happened. So she needed to just, you know, let go. And she just basically gave up and she mm -hmm. said, you know, I'm, I'm responsible for the bruising. She never said I killed my, you know, she never mm -hmm. said that. She never said I killed my daughter. She said, I'm responsible for the bruises. And um, that was it, basically. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, I mean, a, a few things there. I mean, one thing, I mean, yours is not, I will say yours is not the first to document that there's something inherently wrong with interrogation techniques, in the, certainly in the way the U.S. police go around in cases like this. I mean... Uh, won't go down the list, but you know how many of these things where you, they go in, they they decide who's guilty, um, maybe the path of least resistance, um, and that's the whole point is to get a confession, to to coerce a confession, and to get a result, I guess, and less about um, um, finding out what the truth is. Is that uh, I mean. I mean that's what your film captures. Certainly, in that those those scenes are are are, are just as damning. You've seen the interrogation. Yeah. I think it speaks. You know, it speaks volume. 
Uh, and uh, if you um, review all the innocence project, you know, uh, wrongful convictions, um, I think a good 50%, if not 60% of them had confessed. Mm. And so, you know, that really doesn't mean anything anymore. And, 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 you know, you have these, these police officers who, you know, basically that's what they want. But it's the entire system. It's the. It's not only the police officers. It's also the forensic experts. Okay, mm. who you know right away they see the bruising and they're like, oh yeah, uh, she was abused, and yeah. she was you know that she that 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 child is is a victim of of abuse, and so from that mm-hmm. moment you know once you know uh, that person writes homicide on it yeah. and the police officers you know this is what they want to get they want to you know mm. they want to hear this you sure. know so it's like playing god almost there's all these people who who know who know the truth i mean um there's a lot of things for me who are who are really hard to understand uh first of all if you really think that you know melissa lucio should be on that row, why did you offer 30 years I mean, there's kind of a big gap between 30 years and, you know, and and, and killing someone, you know, I mean, if she Mm. is such a danger to society, why would you put her on death row when you just offered her 30 years? I mean, that for me does not make any sense. Second of all, the forensic experts who they know, right? But, you know, in the film, I have another forensic expert who said the exact opposite of the first Mm. one. So that's another problem. And then you have all these police officers who know. They, they, they saw her. I, I think the Texas Ranger who was interrogating her, uh, he said in court that he knew she was guilty from the, the moment he saw her. So, I mean, there's all these yeah. people who know and he, they play God and there's all these, you know, people who end up on death row yeah. or in prison you know, for mm. life. Uh, and that's a big problem. I, I think there's, there needs to be, I mean, <laughs> I can go on and on, but there needs to be a huge reform. Yeah. 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 Well, why is there even, I mean, not to take it there, but why is there even a death penalty to begin with? Right. Like that's, I mean, not, not just not to put my own personal opinion in there, but like, you know, my God, this is a very deeply unsettling film for myself. I'm not going to lie. I was very anxious watching it. Um, it was very personal. My mom's Mexican herself. Um, I, you know, culture wise, it made me think like how much does that influence how this woman, you know, was in her life, how she got to where she was. Um, yeah, the cops taking it. How much of that influenced the cops taking advantage of that moment, right? They see a poor, right, Mexican woman, 14 kids. Oh, yeah, this woman did it, right? It's and done. Once they, once they, right, once they hit that switch, it's like they're not going back. They're done. It's, it's the balls rolling. You know, like the, the one lawyer that you have at the end of the film, he basically sums it up, right? Like it's not to, you know, he puts his own personal opinion in at the last, like how he did that. Like, well, just my personal opinion is, she did what she did and now it's her fault and she's got to deal with it. You know, that's the gist really at the end. That's what they all thought. And they put her on death row because of it. It's horrendous. Absolutely. Absolutely. You just summed it up. I mean, you know, she was just, she was, she had too many children. 
for, for a lot of people, you know, even today, even after watching the film, I mean, of course, most people are outraged, but some will say, oh, well, you know, she was poor. Why did she have so, so many children? You know, oh, well, what did she use? You know, but that has nothing to do with it. Exactly. I'm not asking you if George Floyd was a model citizen. It doesn't yeah. interest me to know, yeah. you know, the fact of the matter is that Derek Chauvin killed him. And that's the end of the matter. You know, that's all that matters to me. I mean, you know, you don't need to have model citizens, you know, in front of you in order, you know, for them to be found not guilty. I mean, you know, if I kept wondering if it was me who was arrested and my child had fallen down the stairs and, you know, I'm white, I have that white privilege, right? And I would have convinced the cops for sure. I have no doubt in my mind. I would have said, you know what? I have a lot of children and one of my daughters, she fell down the stairs. You don't believe me? Okay, you know what? Speak to my lawyer. The thing is, Melissa Lucio did not even have the, the knowledge to know that she could have a lawyer, in, you know, by her side. She had never yeah. been arrested before. She, she had no knowledge of all of sure. this. And those cops weren't going to tell her, right? Like, they're not going to help her defend herself um, no. Like you said, right? They they outnumbered her. They're in her face, right? Your your that personal space that who you know. God, it's they're like, lying to her. They're yeah, telling they're her that yeah. everybody has said it. That yeah. you know, all the children have said that it was her. You yeah. know, they're, they're they're using all these techniques. Yeah, and and you know, and she has lost her daughter, and she has not you know slept. I mean, she woke up that day at seven at five in the morning. And she hasn't had a drink of water. She wasn't allowed to speak to her husband. She, you know, wasn't allowed to go to the restroom. I mean, it's just, it's just all these things that, you know, play. And, you know, I, I, some experts say that at some point you, you become convinced of what they're telling you. You're thinking, you know what, maybe I'm responsible. And she kept saying, I'm responsible, I'm responsible. But, you know, I think the, what she means is I'm responsible for this situation. As a mother. I'm responsible for having yeah. two children yeah. for this life of poverty, for not, you know, being the, the mother I should have been. And she said that to me very often, actually, face to face. I should not, you know, I should have, you know, I should have been a better mom. I should have done, you know, better for my kids. So, you know. Um, but my mom says that. You know, I, I mean, it's true, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, but maybe it's a, you know, I. Like my aunts say that about their kid, you know, on my mom on my mom's side, the Latin side. It's almost like this very submissive. This it's like ah, I didn't do enough, but they did a lot, right? It's like mom, you did a lot. It's like what are you talking about? It's mm. there's always this constant thing of I, you know, I didn't do enough, and how much did they use that against her? That guilt, right? They sort of used that yeah. against her and as a weapon. And oh, man, it's tragic, absolutely. And you saw that in the film, how I put, you know, the Virgin Mary and all, you know, in this very Roman Catholic, you know, yeah. community where the guilt oh, yeah. is huge and you know, where the mom should be perfect and yeah. where, you know, everything is in the hands of God. Yeah. And, you know, when I spoke to her family, you know, the, 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 the thing they, they kept repeating to me was like, well, if, if God wants to, you know, in God's will, she'll be she'll be freed. And I said, well, how about you know helping God a little bit, you know, and, and <laughs> trying to get her out of there, you know, and then do something. Um, 
but it's that mentality of, you know, we are, and they said it to me, you know, that was something that was really heartbreaking. They said, you know, we're the stupid people. We're the people that don't count. We're the people who don't know. We don't know how to talk. There's nothing we can do. And at the very beginning, when I started the film, the one thing they kept saying to me was like, what are we risking? Is something going to happen to us? Are they going to come after us? And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's been so many years. I mean, what are you afraid of? But, you know, the threat, especially um, in South Texas, is there. Um, there is, uh, it's, it's, it's a huge Latino community, but there's definitely, you know, um, the ones who have power and the ones who have none. Hmm. And if you don't have any, um, it's, it's not a good place to be. So, I mean, I think, again, that's the other thing. I mean, you know, as you were already saying, um, you know, playing God, it's this sort of, it's, it's this condescending attitude, this, that, is, that, that uh, prosecutor you mentioned, uh, uh, Patrick, who says at the end, well, this is on her because she could have taken the plea deal. Well, why, you know, why is that the option? Why is that, it's, if you're innocent, you sh you would proclaim your innocence. You don't okay, take 30. But, but this is not the way it goes. I mean, no, look at the numbers. Yeah. The numbers are in the United States that 95% of, of cases are, are won by the DAs, by the DA's office. 95%. They don't take a case unless they're going to win it. So your best option is to take the video. And, and if he had been a nice person, he would have told her, take the plea deal because you are going to be, mm. you know, eaten alive. You know, it's never going to happen. You are never going to be free. But he wanted the money. He wanted the money. And then, you know, um, he got involved with a DA. I mean, you know, of course, you know, I strongly believe that. Um, it's kind of peculiar that he went to work for him just right after the case. And that there's just so many things that he did not bring into the case. But, you know, let's just say that he was the, the worst lawyer in history. You know, I'll take that. Um, yeah. He could have been honest with her and told her, listen, you know, uh, you have a dead baby. She's covered in bruises. Um, and, I mean, 30 years, she would have probably been out by now. I mean, you know, um, mm. he just really played... With her life, but you know, he didn't really care. I mean, he hated her guts. I mean, there's just nothing about her that he liked. And he I didn't think she was a good mother, right? That's what he, he didn't said. Think she was a good mother. He oh, thought that exactly. she would be better off. And you know, he said to Melissa's sister at the very end of the trial, he said to her uh, when she was asking about the children, she she wanted to get you know Melissa's kids back, and he said to her, "Let them get lost in the system." Hmm. those were his words i mean thinking that you know it's it would be best for them i think people have very little knowledge and don't don't imagine the collateral damage that it creates yeah. you know mm -hmm. for people Absolutely. not only on death row but you know in prison you know everybody wants to you know lock everybody up for life what about, you know, the family members and what about, you know, I mean, how many generations does it take to recover from this? Um, mm. A lot. I can tell you in Melissa's family, it's 
it's like it's like an atomic bomb has exploded and it's going to take generations you know to get to get over this yeah it will and another thing you were referring about you know the death penalty um you can check it out i mean unless you're poor black brown disabled you know mentally disabled i mean you're you're not going to end up on death row that's not going to happen if you have a little bit of money if you have you know uh, a little bit yeah money education you're you're going to get out of it people who end up on death row are people who are indigent and that's a big problem. And so, um, I mean, when you started this project, she would, as you said, the her lawyer said, "Well, it was you're too late." Um, did the um, uh, and we can talk a little more about this? But did the uh, did the win at the appeals well momentary win at the appeals court? Did that occur while you were filming? What was that? Yeah, that, that all of a sudden appeared at the end of the filming. Yeah. You know, I mean, people kept saying, oh, Melissa Lucio, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Well, why are you interested in her? Why her? You know, why would you want to do a film about her? I mean, it was just all these things. And then, you know, the entire town was talking about it. It was just a big thing. All of a sudden, we're talking about this case and, you know, oh, you know. And then another thing is, you know, I wanted to get some footage. So I went to all the local TV stations around Harlingen. And, you know, I was asking, I was like, you know, I'd like to buy some footage about either the Melissa Lucio case. I know that mm. was a long time ago, but also about Armando Villalobos. And then right away, mm. we'd be like, oh, that, that's not for sale. That's mm. not for sale. You can't. We're not selling this. Okay. So, so it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was peculiar. And the entire, the feeling of it was, was quite incredible. And then all of a sudden, Margaret Schmucker, who was her uh, lawyer at the time, was dismissed for other reasons. And she got a new lawyer. And then uh, six months later, she won her appeal. And wow. we were just like, wow, wow, what happened? You know, then the film came out. Um, there was a lot of press. And right mm. at the moment when, when, you know, it started, you know, just we started talking a little less about Melissa just before the Hulu uh, mm. sale, just before, you know, the film was bought by Hulu in April. In, in February, all of a sudden, you know, she lost it again. And it was... Uh, it was a very divided court. Um, seven um, of the judges said that she should have a new trial. Seven said seven were against it, and three did not say anything. So she basically lost ten to seven. Hmm. So just uh, the entire thing yeah. is just in just incredible. And now it's up to the Supreme Court, which takes one uh, percent of cases a year. So we're just hoping that the fact that she's on death row, that she's she's a woman, that you know she, you know, that the DA's in prison for God's sake. I mean, 13 years. I mean, for an elected official in prison. I mean, that's a lot of years. <laughs> that, uh, that, that you know, she won her appeal, and then you know that a very divided court, you know, reversed yeah. it again. You know, we're just hoping that you know the Supreme Court's going to pick up that that case and and do what you know should be done. 
But, but that, yeah, but that is truly her last chance, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, oh, man. It's heartbreaking. You know, I think about the moment um, in the film where she talks about admitting uh, of why she admitted to doing the bruising, right? Like to save her daughter, right? In some sense, right? This motherly, which I get, right? I absolutely get that. She's got 14 of them, right? So, but at the same time, you think, and of course, you know, thinking macro for her, but loving, right? that one child but realizing well but if i go to jail there's 13 more that need taken care of what a dilemma to be in right so she's thinking well i don't want my daughter to go to jail i don't want to admit for her but i didn't do it right so i i don't want to go to jail either i mean just what a predicament to be in and you know i'm not saying the daughter did it uh, you know the other daughter i mean uh but just from you know watching the film i, I just thought that was interesting um it's just it's such a big drama and, yeah, you know, yeah. let's not forget that that was 13 years ago and that, you know, today, a lot of the things that were said at, the, at her trial would be junk science. Uh, you know, uh, the DA who uh, did the ending statement, which DAs never do, hmm. except, you know, in Melissa Lucio's case, uh, you know, said that, you know, explained that, you know, it was the sh shaken baby syndrome, which could not have been since she was two and a half. And the shaken baby syndrome would have, you know, broken her neck, which she didn't have. So all that is gem science. And I think that if there was someone abusing in this family, it was definitely Alice, that she was fed up. Uh, and she didn't want to take care of the children anymore. Do I think that Alex killed her? No, absolutely not. I think that, you know, she fell down the stairs and it took her two days to die because she had blunt head trauma. And she had coagulopathy and, you know, her blood was not clotting anymore. And I think that that would have been something that today it would have probably, you know, um, taking her blood, you know, right away and, you know, and, and basically found that out. Uh, all these years later, it's hard, it's hard to prove. But there's just no, nobody ever saw her being, you know, abusive to Mariah. There's nobody. So, you know, or, or any of the children, right? None of the, none of the kids, yeah. none on. of the kids. I mean, none of yeah, the kids. Right? Totally. It's crazy. None of the kids. Someone would have, I mean, she lived in a one bedroom apartment. Yeah. There were, uh, I think seven boys in one room and then, uh, the rest of the girls in another, I mean, you know, uh, the older girls were bathing the little girls. So, you know, if you see bruising, someone's going to say something at some point to someone. Hmm. Um, nothing. So, you know, it's just the entire case is just, it's just a drama. And then all these years have gone by and um, now, you know, she's, it, it's really hard. I mean, she's been, as, you know, estranged for some of her children. Some, though, are still there and, you know, hmm. and, and are fighting for her until the end. But, you know, it's, it's really, you know, the thing is about Melissa is, you know, the bottom line is she was the mom. She was responsible. Doesn't matter the way you see it. If it was her daughter who had abused the kid, she was the mom. She did or should have done something, you know, whatever. It, you know, she's just the one to blame. 
And I think that's another, you know, big problem in our society is, you know, well, what about the fathers? Really? Really the mothers have all that blame? Always? You know? That's a great point. That's a great point. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to uh, give our listeners a, a bit of a break. So uh, we'll be right back with Sabrina Van Tessel, writer and co-director of the State of Texas versus Melissa. Art and entertainment inspire each of us in different ways. But have you ever wondered what inspires the people who create our cultural touchstones? On the Spark Parade podcast, your host Adam Unz geeks out with artists and entertainers about their cultural spark of inspiration. Everything from Shakespeare to South Park. You'll hear from artists like Connor Oberst on Northern Exposure, Rasheen Murphy on Terrence Conran's The House Book, and Adrian Young on Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. The Spark Parade, where artists reveal their cultural inspirations to spark the inspiration in you. Find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Factual America. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Alamo Pictures to keep up to date with new releases or upcoming shows. Check out the show notes to learn more about the program, our guests, and the team behind the production. Now back to Factual America. Welcome back to Factual America. I'm with award-winning director Sabrina Van Tessel, who directed and uh, executive produced The State of Texas versus Melissa, a uh, festival release in 2020 out on Amazon Prime and dropped on Hulu in April. Uh, I mean, one thing that's struck me about the film as I was watching it, and um, I think it's one of its great assets, is every time I, you'd be going through it, I was like, well, she hasn't gotten so-and-so on camera yet. And lo and behold, that person would show up, you know, eventually. Even the, uh, even the uh, at best, um, incompetent defense attorney. Um, the only one who doesn't show up on camera, at least uh, for an on-camera interview, is the uh, corrupt DA who's in the prison. Villalobos. Uh, yeah. Villalobos. Yeah, I, th- I can yeah. imagine it would have been. Um, yeah. I mean, so you have this great access. I mean, I'm not trying to make this just purely, you know, try to change the tone or anything but uh because i know i mean from what i understand trying to get access to death row inmates in the state of texas is almost impossible i mean yet you've got uh well i'm very some... persistent okay <laughs> <laughs> i bet you and i don't take no for an answer <laughs> and i had a lot of time uh i not only uh directed this film but i created my, my production company for this film mm. so i had uh all the time in the world and that's really, um, when you're doing a documentary time, yeah. means, you know, it's worth a lot of money, really. Mm. Um, you know, even the way you're directing, when you have the time to really, you know, think about you know, what you're going to do. I mean, it's worth just so much. Um, Peter Gilman mm-hmm. took me a year and a half, you know, the... the her her defense attorney. I mean, she did not answer any of my emails, never answered any of my phone calls. But since I was practically sleeping at the Brownsville courthouse, one day, you know, I saw him coming right at me. And I knew his face. I knew what he looked like. So I said, Mr. Gillen. He's like, yes. I'm like, Sabrina Van Tassel. And he was like, oh, you (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, why? Why do you think that? He's like, you know, why would, why do you not want to speak to me? 
And he's like, that seems like a trap to me. That's what he said to me. I'm like, why would wow. you feel that way if you've done nothing wrong? Exactly. He would be and like, yeah, let's let's try to get her out. Like, right? Like, exactly. yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah. And really, you know, also the way I edited the film, the interviews are quite long. And mm -hmm. I don't know if you've noticed, but they're not edited. Because I wanted to show that I did not make these mm. people say what they say. Ooh. Peter Gilman, if you hear his one-hour interview, it's like an hour and a half, you'd think he's the prosecutor. Yeah. He has nothing nice to say about her. That's what my wife said when we watched the film together. That's what my wife said. She said, but dude, he, he, he has nothing nice to say about this. Okay. You'd think he would be in her corner. That's what she said. Right? Like... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he starts off with, at least in the film, right, she's not a good mother, blah, blah, blah. I mean, just, yeah, I agree. It's it's quite, yeah, it was, yeah. you know, yeah. so I was just like listening. I wasn't aggressive in the interview. I just, you know, I just listened. I was just like, wow, really? That's interesting. And then when I asked him, I said, you know, that's my actually my only question in the entire film. The only question that you hear in the film, yeah. when I said, you know, did you know that somebody else was mm. abusive to Mariah? And he was like, uh, no, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Um, Trust me. I wrote that down in my notes. Trust. That was one of my bullets. I was like, oh, stuttering uh, defense attorney. That was like red flag for me right away. I didn't believe a word that guy said. Just again, not to throw my personal beliefs in here, but just like every gut, th you know, is going off like gut check. Just like, oh, this guy. I just just didn't. Uh, he, he just I felt like he contradicted himself even. Uh, from the footage you sh you showed in your film, uh, because he mentioned that he didn't want to put the kids on the stand because he didn't think they were disciplined. But at the same time, he's also saying, I don't know if she's abused. Well, which is it? Are they being disciplined? And while that's happening, they're being abused mm -hmm. or they're not being disciplined? Like what what's going on? I don't know. I just felt like he, you know what I mean? It didn't seem like he mm -hmm. even had the story in his head. It was. Oh, he had no answer. Yeah, exactly. I think I asked him seven times at least, <laughs> what was your strategy? Wow. I said, okay, wow. what was your strategy? He couldn't answer. He had no strategy. He, wow. he didn't. I'm like, yeah. what was it? Did you think that she fell? Did you think she was abused? Did you, he had no answer. He couldn't tell me. He that had totally no clue. Makes sense. That totally makes sense. He well, just had no clue. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he could care less where she's at. I mean, none of these people really care less about, you know, where she's at. I mean, she's just an animal, basically. Mm. They and all one think of the she got. There's women in Texas. That's why she's on death row. I mean, that's a nice thing that oh, people wow. should also realize is if you're on death row, you're the most dangerous person in America. Sure. You're so dangerous that you're separated from the rest of the carceral population because, you know, you should not arm other prisoners. Now, really, do you really think after seeing the film, Melissa is a danger to other prisoners? I mean, just the entire thing is ridiculous. You know, it's really ridiculous. But yeah, to answer your question, yeah, it was it was a lot of timing. Uh, it was it was a lot of persistence, just basically trying to get to um, you know to, even Daniela, her her oldest daughter. It took me mm -hmm. months to uh, get a hold of her, uh, have her speak to me, 
um, you know, fine everybody. I mean, you know, it's, it's, they have been hurt very badly. Mm. So you have to um, take your time and, and respect that. Yeah. You know, and understand that, you know, uh, they don't trust anybody anymore. Yeah. So I, I basically, I think, um, created a bond with them in many ways. And, you know, I wasn't there to judge. I told them very, you know, mm. that very often. Like, I'm not judging you. I'm not even judging the sisters who are not writing. A part of me understands. I think most people don't, you know, they say they're not in our shoes. And yes, they're not. When you have someone on death row and there's no hope anymore and she's already dead and she lives and, and, and her prison is eight hours away yeah. for someone who doesn't have any money. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a big problem. How did they respond to the film? Sing it. They responded to the film very well. Uh, of course, there are some teams, you know, among the children. There's the one who are, you know, Team Melissa, and there's the one who are Team Alex. So the one who are Team Alex mm. think that, you know, well, mom is already where she's at, and she's going to die, and let her, you know, let's just get rid, you know, let's just Move get on. rid of her, and yeah, well. nothing happens to Alex. And that's a drama in itself, but, you know, sure. can you blame them? Um, and the other side are, you know, no, you know, we're, we're, we're with our mom and, you know, we want her out. And, and then there's all this conflict now among the family, you know, you didn't do this, you didn't do that, you, you know. It's, it's, it's a huge drama everywhere you see it. It, it is. And, and I just hope... Um, I mean, the thing that I'm very happy about is that Melissa got so many letters from, you know, so many people after you know, the film got released and, you know, who, who said, you know, told her, you know, we love you, we believe you. And, and, and that means the world to her. And she wants to fight and she really wants to, to she doesn't want to die. Uh, there is a misconception where you, know, you think that you know, some death row prisoners really want to get it you know, over with. Most don't. They want to live. They, they want to see their children again. They want to. They want to live. Yeah. And they get. They even get used to death row. You know. Would you do a follow up? Would you? Would there be a follow up film potentially? If she ever got out. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Her chances of, are, of, of getting out are very slim. Hmm. Um, I was really uh, hoping they would, you know, commute her sentence at least, that she would be, you know, just in prison, yeah. allowed to, you know, have some, you know, physical contact at least and have, have a meal with someone. Because when you're on death row, you're in solitary confinement. You don't oh, share it at all. She hasn't been, you know, sharing a meal for 13 years. And when she is outside, she's outside alone. So, you know, a lot of people on death row go crazy. Uh, she hasn't. Um, she still manages. I mean, she's so strong. And she writes a lot. And we write a lot to each other. And I'm just really hoping that, you know, someone, that the Supreme Court's going to hear it, that, you know, uh, 
Innocence Project going to take the case that some celebrities are going to, you know, start tweeting about her case. I mean, something's going to happen. I mean, you know, I'm just hoping. And even if that happens, doesn't mean that, you know, yeah. she will ever be out. Hmm. So you think some celebrities sort of bringing some attention, you think that could help? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think uh, if, you know, Rodney Reed, uh, Julius Jones, uh, if it wasn't for uh, the attention they got and, you know, some celebrity endorsement, they would already be executed by now. Well, well what an impact um, that they could have, right? Wow. Yes, yes. But, so, but in- you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, putting my hopes high on Governor Abbott. I mean, the only person that, you know, he commuted the sentence to was a white male, which I think is very interesting. And that was 20 years ago. Um, So I'm not, you know, thinking he's going to become a good person all of a sudden, you know. Um, But uh, yes, I mean, I'm I'm hoping there is going to uh, be a change of government, at least in Texas, that, you know, they are going to review all the cases of Armando Villalobos, just, just, let's just start there. Absolutely. Right. Like, yeah, let's just start there. If you caught your bowling partner cheating, you would think every game before that, right? I mean, it just makes sense that you would just check his, all of his cases and exactly just starting there. There's no question. Oh man, that's so frustrating. Um, yeah. Right, it's so frustrating. I, I can't even imagine what it is for you. Just as somebody watching it, um, it does make you. It's been it's think, been right. It's been crazy. It's been crazy. So every sure. every film selection, every every news article, every anything is great because you know it talks about her and it talks about her case and. You know, and, and that's great. And it means that she's still alive. She's still there and she's still there with us. But, you know, it takes so much energy just trying to, you know, reach out to people and trying to convince them. And, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm like, look, I'm just a filmmaker. Um, I'm not a lawyer, but, I, but I'm a great investigator. And I can tell you that there's nothing in this case. Just check it out. You know, just, just look, you know, you know, look at it. But... Um, at the same time, there are so many cases like hers. Yeah. And, you know, advocates are, you know, just, they tell you, yes, yes, but there's just so many. They're overwhelmed. And, you know, yeah. Yeah, they're overwhelmed. They are. Except that it's a very urgent case now. I mean, um, if the Supreme Court refuses to uh, hear her case, uh, she could have an execution date by October. Hmm. Oh, wow. So this is. Curious. How soon? How soon? Usually, when they set an execution date, does it happen? Is it a couple of years? I, I, you know, I feel like I should know this as a Texan, but I don't. Fifteen I don't days. Know. What? Yeah. Fifteen days? Yeah. They can. Yeah, they, when, can when, they can wait. They can wait for you know to to you know set you know to, to set the date. They could take six months, a year, whatever. But you know, once they you know pick a date, that's it's, it's, it's 15 within days, fifteen then, days. You know, you have the board of pardons. So we put a wow. petition online, you know, asking already people to, you know, um, sign this, the, the petition for the board of pardons in, in case, you know, her case was not taken by the Supreme Court to please watch the film to, you know, 
because it's a different thing to watch a film and to read a case, uh, you know. Sure. I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's going to be a long battle. But I promised her that, you know, I would be with her till the end. Mm. And I will. Wow. You know. I wasn't expecting but, this in my life. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Don't yeah. So, so is this why you've? I mean, if if I counted correctly, is this why you've entered so many festivals? I think I saw twenty three laurels on your in your press pack. Yes. I mean, it's it's absolutely amazing. I it's, was just, just selected in two more over the weekend. So yes, <laughs> it's. You're, you're not going to be able to even months. see the the poster for the film anymore. It's just going to be. I know. Laurels. I know. <laughs> well, um, you know, the thing is, once you get selected in film festivals, you know, it's like you know, uh, when you're not looking for a job anymore. You know, they come to you and they say, you know, right, you right. you know, submit, you know, the film. You know, we'll give you a waiver. <laughs> so yeah. you know, I was just like, yes, you know, and and yes, absolutely. Especially in times of COVID, when you know it was mm. it, it was impossible for, for me to, to go, and everything was yeah. you know going on online, I was like yeah. you know I'd rather just like do that. But now I'm very excited about the fact that the film starting. It was very important for me that the film was you know would be released in the U.S. That's mm. the most important thing. Uh, and now the fact that it's going to be released worldwide is also good because you know I'm thinking okay you know they're not embarrassed clearly. You know, well, you know, let's let's have the film travel a little bit more now. You know, let's see how the rest of the world, you know, sees the situation. And and yes, you're you're right when you say that. You know, it's not the first film, and it won't be the last. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you know, I guess uh, all of us are trying to um, create awareness about a huge problem. There yeah, is. Sure. You know, a big problem with the justice system. This justice system, you know, is is completely broken. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people would say actually it was designed like this. It was designed to put these kind of people where they're at. You know, I'm not going to go into that right now. But you know, I mean, it, that's it's a big problem. And so well, they're, they're uh, very proud of that fact, right? Like even just watching um, the DA's commercial that you put in the film. Right. It's all about we're tough on crime. It's I got a 99% conviction rate. I got it's all about, you know, yes, putting away the bad guys. And, and there's nothing outside of that. Right. It's all about being the, the sheriff with the with the badge and the, just getting people and uh, Wild West uh, still sort of mentality um, yeah, where absolutely. it's not look, looking at these people as people that are going to go back into society. Right. These are a lot of them just we they've made mistakes. I mean, going even outside of uh, Melissa's, you know, situation, just anybody that's being brought into the court system, uh, just a, our perspective, our lens onto what we look through is already wrong. We start off wrong. It's just, it's all bad. Uh, you know, that's, again, not to put my personal opinion in, but again, the options that this young woman was laid out with, you know, so long ago, they were already, the options were wrong just to begin with. It's like just a horrible system. You, you lose before you start. Exactly. Right? Like, it's an eye for an eye. Yeah, and like Gandhi an said, eye. you know, Gandhi said something beautiful. He said, an eye for an eye leaves everybody blind. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how, you know, what a better way to put it, really. Well, the courtroom cheering when it's like we're about to put a woman to death. Yay! What? 
this is where where are we at you know when that happens that's just a little just disturbing to think yeah that, it is right like i get that you may if you're if you're i don't want to say happy is the word but you're okay with the justice that you think got served right but at the same time mm -hmm. some sort of remorse of look at to the extent of what we have to do to get that right justice we, we've got to take this woman's life and they're they're joyful about that and that's crazy that's like going to see when people used to get hung and going to the town square like with popcorn and right like that was the thing like that's so it's insane um it, it just lives in a different way now yeah, yeah. it's holy sam right yeah. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. Eater kind of yeah. justice yes yeah. i absolutely agree with you i mean i think mm -hmm. we got it all wrong and you know when i speak to people they're like yeah but you know um some people no mercy you know let's just shoot them and i'm like well that's just not the way it goes it's mm -hmm. gonna take years it's gonna take 30 years it go it's gonna cost you a lot of money you're worried about your money as a taxpayer you know i mean death row is the wrong answer it cost millions. You know? That's a good point. That's a great point. I mean, what, mm. what, you know, it's just not true. It's just not yeah. true. And in a system where right now, how many people are wrongly convicted? And, you know, we found that out, what, every month? Every month we have something, you know, I have Google mm. alerts, right? Uh, someone, yeah. oh, yeah, was in prison 37 years, you know, was proven innocent. Oh, that guy yeah. was was executed four months ago. Oh, but you know what? The DNA, it's not his DNA. Okay, you know, we have a problem. And in a, in a, you know, in a judicial system like this, where, you know, there's just such a problem, you can't have the death penalty. Whatever way you want to see it, you just can't. And that's why, that's why it needs to be banned. That's it. Hmm. That's my personal opinion as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's fine. For, for, yeah, for everyone else listening or watching, uh, you know, obviously. Well, I mean, that's what changed hearts and minds. Whatever, I mean, with yeah. the, there's a, this is years ago now because you're saying it's going to take 30 years. Well, we were saying things like this 30 years ago, um, and it's yeah, it's still happening. Um, the uh, you know the governor of Illinois, he was a proponent of the death penalty, and he it was they had enough of these wrongful conviction cases that that's when he put the moratorium on it I, i'm not sure if it's still a more you know if, there's a lot of states where they haven't abolished it yet but they do have a moratorium um but um you know i think you know we've got members of there's i don't know it's hard to see how this is going to change because i think as you say this is this the word dr drama dramatic has been used quite a bit it's a tragedy isn't it and i think these uh, even if uh, even if this poor uh, little girl mariah had not died this they were already in tragic situation and they were already in a tr very um difficult place and um you know i think this uh, you know giving people the resources they need to um have a fair shake um um, as much as I agree, they should have it, and more so. Um, it's, I don't know, you, I mean, again, it's the frustration for you as a filmmaker. You, you are there to shine a light on this and let people see it and come to their conclusions. But uh, there's just, uh, you know, there's just, how do you create this public outcry? There's, you know, because I think for the most, most people, Patrick, you're the, you know, I'm, I'm here living in the UK. But uh, you're in Texas. There's not a, 
even if the average person would say, look, uh, yeah, I've seen the evidence. This now looks like a someone, something wrong was happened here. There's just, most people aren't thinking about the, the little guy or the little girl, however you want to look at it, in terms of these situations. It's kind of far removed. It's not affect, they think it doesn't affect them. So there's just not this political um, wave or force to, to, to do, unfortunately, to, to change things. Um, well, I don't agree with that. <laughs> you don't? <laughs> no, I don't. Well, where, I don't where, agree so how do you, how do you think it is? I mean, I mean, thank Look, you for making this film. I very much appreciate it. Yeah, you know, that's very much appreciated. But how uh, do you? I I believe that you know strongly that Melissa would have still would would have already been executed if mm. I had not done that film. So that's wow. no, that's and I'm what not. I believe. I, and I agree Second with of all, yeah. I, I know that, you know, there was, uh, she had a page, I think, where there was um, 200 people on the page. Now there are thousands. Yeah. And she's receiving letters from all over the U.S. And people are fed up. They're not only fed up about, you know, they're fed up about so many things. Look what happened with Black Lives Matter. Look what happened, you know, mm. you talk about police brutality. Let's talk about, you know, the judicial system's brutality. You know, which is huge. People are fed up. And, you know, that's another case where they're seeing this and they're like, okay, again, you know, how many are there? You know, so um, I really believe in the American dream for that, uh, that, you know, yes, uh, people will will make a difference, that um, people will advocate. There's just amazing people out there. Who are doing a tremendous job advocating and you know, tr- you know, wanting to end the death penalty. And look what happened in Virginia. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just you know ended the death penalty in Virginia. I mean, that's just you know that was a couple of months ago. That's un- that's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, I believe that one day that's going to happen in Texas. Believe it or not, it will. It I might take so a little too. longer. Yeah. But, you know, uh, yeah. it will. And that's why, you know, we need to keep the fight and we need to do films like this. I guess yeah. the what I was getting at is what, maybe to look at it this way, a different way, what would you suggest people who feel this way, and I have been against the death penalty for as, certainly as long as I can remember, um, uh, what do people need to do? Because what, what would you suggest, you know, what what... You know, and thank well, you, you have for social making the media, film. right? You have Twitter and you have Instagram mm-hmm. and you have Facebook. How about you know sharing her face? How about sharing the petition? How about mm-hmm. you know uh, there's a GoFundMe page? You know, trying mm-hmm. to you know put some money so that her children go and visit mm-hmm. her because she might not have a whole lot of time left. Mm-hmm. How about mm-hmm. you know writing the governors? How about you know making noise mm-hmm. because that's you know what works at the end of the day. And I think we have amazing tools now, um, more than we used to, right? With social media, there's so many things we can do. And I think a lot of things are changing because of it. And, and so, um, well, I'm optimistic. <laughs> I, I, I believe that there's a lot, I, I believe you can, you can change things. And, and I believe that, you know, Melissa will not, I believe strongly that Melissa will not be executed. I, I do. I think there's just been so many things happening. Hmm. I mean, I have great faith that something's going to happen for her. 
at the very least another trial, right? Like yeah. something. I, I mean, that's just that. That's what I don't get either. Like at the very least, even if you think, yeah, she's look. The DA was arrested for third. We need to reach. You know, this needs to be retried, like without a doubt, whether you agree with mm. it or not. Right? Like even that. So yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it, this is. It's just insane. Um, I love your energy, by the way. I just got to say that I love your energy. Uh, Thank you. you know, much respect, like mm. your passion for like I'm Latin. I got that pet. Like I feel you like I'm I'm saying my mm. blood is but like I want to jump out of this chair and like I'm with you. Like I get it. Um, you're right. It's what we need to push. It's what people need to do. And it's how things get done. If you if you don't think it's ever going to change, it won't. It so, won't. Right. It won't. Yeah, um, it won't. And, and I think you're right. I, I think you're, you know, just a little side thing is, you know, you made this point about it's not financially um, right. Beneficial to do it. That's, you know, and, so, and then, you know, again, not to take the emotion out of it, but that's a great way to reach conservatives in some way to get them to change their mind sometimes. Right. Like sometimes it's just let's get, you know, however we can get them to change their mind about it. Maybe that's another way to push too, as well. Um, and I'm, 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 yeah. and it's, it's quite strange, right? That they have not yeah. looked at it because, you know, when you yeah. have a case on death row, it's ongoing. Yeah. And all the people on death row are indigents. So it's a good like $200,000 a year until they're executed. Yeah. Do the math. You don't want to yeah. pay for these people. <laughs> you want them dead. <laughs> You know what the saying is, a, a bullet costs two cents, right? That's what they say, right? Like that's, I mean, I'm not, I mean, I'm just being real. They say that in Texas here. I hate, you know, but it's, it's what they say. That's what you'll hear a conservative say here, right? And it's like, but, but they're not looking at the whole thing. They probably just don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like liberals and, you know, the left here, myself included, like we need to push that narrative even a little bit more, which I never, I remember... Yeah, I remember hearing that a long time ago. It just kind of slipped away because it's not talked about enough. But you're right. I think just hitting it from different angles to it get people millions. to realize. Yeah, to get millions. people to realize this is not the way to go. A death row know. case costs millions to the state. And then, you know, then you need to pay for the lawyers. And that's a good no. 200000 a year, at least, no. until they're executed. And that goes yeah. until their execution date. And then you need to, you know, build a second, you know, another, you know, pl you know, space in the prison with special wardens. I mean, just the entire thing costs so much money. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So if you're thinking about the money, I mean, you know, for sure, death row is not what you want. Uh, but I think that what we need right now is we need uh, Joe Biden to actually, you know, put an end to uh, the federal death penalty. That would be a great signal. Uh, mm -hmm. And then we need, you know, all the states to uh, basically follow up, you know? I mean, that's one thing we need. All right. I like it. Well, and I um, I would, just to say that I think Melissa is very fortunate to have, for you, for, to, for you to have found her, actually. Um, I was very fortunate to found her, too. Yeah. That's, I agree with both. I agree with both of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Both of y'all. Right. Like, absolutely. hundred percent. Well, that's awesome. So, what's next for you, Sabrina? Well, after all this, <laughs> still very much involved, as you know, as you, yeah. know, as you heard. Uh, I'm doing another film right now about guns in America, and uh, I'm um, preparing a new a new feature um, mm. 
about the, you know, Indian, Indian world, you know, Native Americans and, you know, what they suffer as well. I guess, you know, I mean, a lot of things that I do, I mean, I'm trying to be a messenger for, you know, people who mm. have no voice. So that's what I try to do. Um, and finding and, a public for that. <laughs> yes. And you, I mean, I think self-described as a, a French-American journalist and documentarian. Uh, yes. But, um, I mean, as so in... Um, my podcast is uh, sponsored by Alamo Pictures, which does docs about America from more of a European perspective. And what what does that add to you, do you think? Does it give you a sense of insight that you don't think maybe even um, uh, American documentarians have, uh, even though they yes. will have touched yeah, on these absolutely. subjects? So I'm, I'm really like, you know, my mom is French, my dad's American. Uh, mm. I grew up in both countries. Yeah. Uh, I vote in both. Um, <laughs> my family was very involved in politics in the U.S. Mm. Um, you know, my grandfather went in front of, you know, the McCarthy comedy. So, you know, I mean, it was a big deal. Um, mm. So just being, you know, seeing things from, I see things from a different point of view, right? Uh, uh, I mean, being French as well. And seeing how, you know, they deal with problems and, you know, how in the U.S., you know, we deal with problems. I mean, has certainly given me mm. a lot of, uh, well, I I'm, I'm guess I'm, 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 I'm seeing things in, in, in a different way. And it's, it's easier for me to kind of expose them. Um, yeah, definitely. And trying to have also the world understand. Because you see, I mean, when you're European, uh, coming to the U.S., uh, the difference between, you know, what's federal and what state mm. and, you know, and, and the justice system, which is so, so, you know, different and yep, so many you know. things, you know, uh, the fact that, you know, we are socialist countries and, you know, uh, and, and that we have free, you know, healthcare and, and all these things and that in the U.S. you don't, it's, it's very different. Um, the thing that I can say though is, is, uh, Americans, what I like about it, um, and, and that we lack, I think, in Europe, is that, you know, uh, there's a lot of, of people who really want to make a difference mm. and who want to change the world in a very genuine way. You know what I mean? Saying, you know, mm. you know what? We're going to do, do this. We're going to fight against this. We're going to get united and we're going to do all this, you know. Mm. And <laughs> as Europeans, we don't have that. We're yeah. lacking that. We we're a little like, yeah, right. You know, it's not going to make any difference anyway. Why bother? So, mm. you know, um, uh, that's the difference. So there's good and there's bad. And, and um, I guess being European and, you know, living abroad, you know, gives me, um, gives me that, you know, that perspective. Mm. And then as a, um, I mean, you've made s scores of documentary films. Um, yeah, yeah. How have you, I mean, um, do you um, do you work as an independent? Because I think how do you yeah, how do you do. manage this? It's quite any advice you'd have for anyone starting out? Because it's uh, it's it's quite a challenge to try to, um, well, you know, to have achieved what you've achieved uh, is is quite quite impressive. How do you uh, how do you what's what what's driving you? It or justice? Yeah, <laughs> I think we're all good at something, right? Uh, mm. 
And, and, and uh, my advice to other filmmakers, if you want to, to be in documentary, um, is that you need to find a little something that you have that, you know, is different from mm. the rest, you know. Um, and, and I guess for me, I mean, having that dual culture definitely helped. Because mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I got this. I'll explain it to you. You don't get it. Yeah, no, no problem. I'll, I'll explain it to you. <laughs> you know, um, uh, and and also uh, being driven. I mean, uh, I was yeah. always an independent. I never worked for um, a production company uh, or broadcaster you know, or, or anything. No, like I was that. always you know yeah. um, independent. Um, most of the films you know that I did were were produced by networks. You know, they were already yeah. you know yeah. so. They'd be like, you know, you want to do this, go ahead, you know, whatever. Mm. But I was always very driven in, in, in what I wanted to do, uh, the topics I wanted to do. I, I never really or almost never uh, did something that I didn't like. Mm. And I think mm. I was very fortunate in, in doing so. I think um, accepting to do something that is not you. Mm you know, it might seem like a good idea at the beginning because you need to work, but in yeah. the long run is, is not, is not as a good idea because, you know, you're just going to go in the wrong path. Um, and also, I mean, I was so determined at, at the very beginning when I started my career that, you know, even if I wasn't paid, it was, you know, it wasn't a problem for me. I was like, mm -hmm. you know, I just want to do this. And so a lot of the big, I mean, some of the, my my you know big films i mean the ones where i spent years because mm. some i just did you know for the, net, the networks and you know it went really fast and some you know i really you know gave my heart you know to them mm. um those were a necessity they were something that i needed to do a story i needed to told mm. and and usually um you know you, you you see it you feel it when you see a film or you yeah. see something something like you feel it you know what i mean hmm. i do <laughs> yeah i mean well, I, you, i'm just yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do. I, but i mean it, it, exactly and i think it's uh you know it's you could say it almost about any profession you need to have that drive you need to have that passion and for what you're doing i think too I, i'll put my hand up i've certainly sold out if you will and done things that i thought uh well i got to get shoes on the kids feet but uh uh did it actually it ended up being a dead end really when you when you go in that direction if it's not true true to well, it sounds cheesy but true to who you are you know i mean i think you you just it's it you can make justifications for these things and then it ends up five years down the line you're wondering why why didn't i why did yeah. i do that why am i you doing know? this yeah. why am i doing this uh, you know exactly um and I mean, that's, I think what was also, I mean, I, I guess probably, I don't know, I guess we're, it's been lovely to chat with you and we've been on for a little while now, but uh, this, uh, you, uh, I think it's, uh, it was mentioned elsewhere, uh, you purposely wanted to make a cinematic film and you've, you've achieved that. Do you, uh, should we give some shout outs to some of your, uh, like your director of photography and stuff i mean it's a it's, it is a beautiful film that Isn't you've it? you've yes. made yes yeah. uh we've been working together for so many years mm. um 15 actually uh he's directed okay. he, wow. he 
He did. This is Cyril um, Thomas. He worked on almost yes, Cyril Thomas. Yeah. He 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 worked on almost every every single film I I, I did, and we know each other so well. And yeah. he has the not only is he an amazing DP, but he has this amazing empathy, and mm. he's someone that I can bring, and I know that he will listen to people even if it takes you know hours and. He will stay for dinner if they invite us and, you know, all these things. And that's very important. I mean, you know, if hmm. don't go into documentary if you don't like people, basically. <laughs> <laughs> that's my advice. You know, if, if, you, if you're not interested in human beings, don't do this. Yeah. Yeah. Do something else, you yeah, know. Exactly. It's like a chef who, who hates people, food. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's yeah. the bottom line. Yeah. And, and no, he's just no. an amazing human being like that. And he understands. Awesome. He's very smart in the way he mm. films. And I think, yeah, he, mm. he his work is, is pretty phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I thought it was... Yeah. Um, um, and having South Texas roots myself, I thought you, you did a... You captured it brilliantly um oh that's that, texas All that's right. texas that's sunlight I mean, I, look i'm uh, here y'all okay yeah i can I'm hear telling you you're up in dallas texas. yeah <laughs> hey, hey listen texas is texas don't, don't get twisted. no south texas is very uh, different, all right there but, are uh, different parts uh, but, of course um, and then also i mean i wasn't meaning to uh imply that i've this taken the just... bus through there by the way y'all i don't know if y'all have driven through i've taken buses straight to mexico city from dallas so i've been through all different yeah. parts uh oh yeah lots i was of times I was supposed mm -hmm. to take a bus to when Monterey I was a kid. Once, we did but, that very, yeah, very yeah. often. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I think when I was about 30, so about 10 years ago, when I lived in Mexico and Veracruz, that was the last time I did it because it was pretty dangerous actually yeah, when I crossed. Yeah. So yeah, I was like, yeah. okay, I'm not doing that again. It's such uh, a flat country. It's such a flat state, right? Sure. That yeah. Well, it, yeah. that part of it, yeah, the yeah. north. But once you like, my family's from Mexico City, so that that part of La Montaña, you know, it's oh. uh, right. Mm. It's 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 deep in the valley. You've got you know that's why there's so much smog. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, I could go on. Yeah. Mexico doesn't get enough credit for actually how beautiful the country is, how much countryside and waterfalls and mountains and you know, just it's just such a beautiful country that doesn't get mm. uh, explored enough or talked about enough. Sorry, not to change the subject. No, no, I think it's, uh, I mean, partly talking about being evocative is the other thing is um, not too many uh, death row docs have their own soundtrack. Um, and I think that was also well done um, in terms of, yes. uh, who is it? Is it 100%. Christoph? Is it Christoph Lapinta? Christoph Lapinta is, is a very um, well-known film composer here in France. Mm. Um, we met uh, at a film festival I, I had mm. done a, a previous film about uh, Drancy, which is a concentration camp in France, yeah. which is now has been turned into social housing. So, um, oh I wow, did a documentary about that that was interesting. Wow, uh, and wow. he saw my film, and uh, I heard his music, and you know, he said to me, uh, "I'd love to work with you." And then, shortly before I started. Um, Mil mm. you know, the state of Texas versus Melissa, he called me and he said, hey, how about we work together? <laughs> so I went to see him at his studio and I was just like, you know what? That's a great idea. I don't have the money. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he's like, you know, 
He yeah. says, not a problem. No, not she's a like, problem. sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything. So yeah. instead he negotiated uh, you know? 50% of the back end or something, but no. Um. Yeah, so he said to me, listen, um, I'll keep the rights. Uh, mm. And uh, I, I'll, do the, you know, I'll do the music and you'll just pay for um, the mix, basically. Wow. Just like, okay. That's amazing. And then he, I would basically send him, you know, part of the editing and then he would he just compose on it. You know, it was just quite amazing. And then one day he calls me and he's like, um, do you know about Dominic Miller? And I'm like, no. He's like, well, you know, it's one of the most famous, you know, guitar player right now. Um, he is Sting's, you know, Sting, yeah. lead guitar yeah. player. And um, he, you know, composed Shape of My Heart. And I was like, right? He's like, well, you know what? He's going to do uh, the guitar wow. on, on your film. <laughs> wow. So I was like, okay. And then um, the guy was like on tour. And he was only two days in Paris because he's married to a French woman. And he came to the studio and, you know, he just took his guitars and just, you know, put the guitars on the music. So, so I had like a lot of these little angels, mm. you know, on my path, yeah. Um, yeah. which, which also told me, cause I, I believe in that strongly when I'm making the film, mm. sometimes all the doors close and sometimes they, they open. Mm. And I believe mm. in that, you know, I, I sometimes believe that, you know what, maybe this story needs to be told, mm, you know, maybe yeah. we yeah. need to do this. Yeah. Some films happen and some don't. And uh, when really it's too hard to, to make a film, when it's just, you know, it's impossible, you know, now I just give up. Mm. I'm like, you know what? Universe doesn't want be. me to do it. <laughs> I'm not going to fight anymore, you know. But, you know, for this film, you know, it was like, it was open. That's why, you know, I strongly believe that, you know, it's not over. Yeah. yeah. It's not. No. I no, mean, it's, it's not. not. Yeah, it's not. We'll talk about yeah. it. Yes, we'll, we'll have you, if we haven't scared you <laughs> off, we'll uh, love to have you back on, especially if things go hopefully as they do. Um, yes. And um, yeah, it would be a, a great. You talk about a, a, a follow up. We'd love to do a follow up if this uh, if the, that happens as well. So um, yeah, if Texas ever allows me to come back. <laughs> oh, they, you uh, don't be silly. You can. They, they don't check anyone at the <laughs> airport there. Right now, hey, listen, yeah, I mean, it's a big state. I promise. It's a big state. Believe me, you can get lost there pretty easily. Yeah. How so diverse it is, and you know. Oh yeah. Hmm. And Absolutely. soon you you guys are going to turn blue, so you know that's going to be nice. I think we're right. We're <laughs> we're close. Uh, there's a lot of people getting scared. I'm like, let's finally. That's why I said, finally, let's do this. Because I love this state, but there's definitely some things about it that are uncomfortable. You know, it's funny, not not to take away, but like I, I when I lived in Spain for a few years, I, I remember that the only conversation people wanted to have with me was about Texas's death penalty. That, that, that was it. That, that's what people really find out right from Texas, bam. That's all we're talking about the rest of the night is why we have the death penalty, you know? So it's a big, you know, it's a bigger conversation than I think Americans even realize. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah that's know? true. That's, that's true. true, so yeah. yeah. I'm glad I'm glad you did this film and um, I'm glad Melissa has you like I uh, was mentioned earlier and um, yeah here to support it 
So I'll do what I can Thank for sure. So I'll give much. you that promise uh, to myself or and right. to you and to Melissa and her family. Thank you so much. Well, and thank you. Uh, it's very, very much appreciated you coming on, and it's been lovely to talk with you. And uh, you still got a little, little bit of time left in the Paris evening. Um, so, uh, do hope you have a, a great rest of the day, and uh, we'll be uh, be in touch soon. Great. Thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you, Sabrina. Bye. First of all, I'd like to say thanks to our special guest, Patrick Scott Armstrong of the Lone Star plate podcast definitely check out his show whether it be on traditional podcasting channels or youtube his most recent episode is with steven tobolowski and is definitely not to be missed if you have any questions regarding how you can become a documentary director and producer like sabrina von tessel or other roles in the industry i recommend you t- check out careersinfilm.com to learn more about careers in the film industry a shout out to sam and joe at intersound audio in Eskrick, england and a big thanks to Nevena Paunovich, our podcast manager at Alamo Pictures, who ensures we continue getting such great guests like Sabrina onto the show. Finally, a big thanks to our listeners. As always, we'd love to hear from you, so please keep sending us feedback and episode ideas, whether it is on YouTube, social media, or directly by email. And please remember to like us and share us with your friends and family wherever you happen to listen or watch podcasts. This is Factual America, signing off. You've been listening to Factual America. This podcast is produced by Alamo Pictures, specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for international audiences. Head on down to the show notes for more information about today's episode, our guests, and the team behind the podcast. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alamo Pictures. Be the first to hear about new productions, festivals showing our films, and to connect with our team. Our homepage is alamopictures.co.uk.